welcome to those online. I know many are watching online. Thank you for viewing us, and uh, we're excited that you're here. I got to tell you, I was so giddy to get in the book of Galatians, and then Israel happened, and a lot of things have been going on that my spirit started stirring, and what do I say? I feel like you have to say something, and, I, and I'll just tell you where my heart went. My heart went to the books leading up to Revelation, because what's most important and what's missing in a lot of our country and in our hearts is a word called truth. What is true? What is true? Everything based on what we believe that we're banking in, that we're hoping in, that we're putting our trust in is about whether it's true or not. Amen? See, when I talked about in Galatians counterfeit gospels, when I talked about cults, I mean, I publicly am, was saying that's not true. So what is true? So we talked about last week the gospel, and the gospel is true, and it needs to be truth. It needs to be what God actually said. And we, as God's people, need to stand up and defend the truth. There's a million things fighting and combating, and the number one thing to get away from is the Okay? I did not write this book. When I preach, I don't preach as the authority of this book. I preach on the authority of those who wrote the... Amen? Truth. So we're going to talk about the central themes of the final books before Revelation. This isn't going to be one of those sermons you walk away with. Three points, five points, six points. It's going to be one central point I want to make. And I want to read a lot of scripture. And I want us to walk away having in our bones, we need the truth. We stand for the truth. We want the truth. We love the truth. We see when something's not true. Amen? Because that seems to be more than revelations and standing up here and telling you, in times, this, that. People, there's people's ministries, that their entire ministry is wrapped up in end times. But we got business to do. We got work to do. We got lost people that we need to minister to. And Jesus himself said, I don't know when it's coming to an end. So I'm not banking in, you can see some signs, but my number one focus is what I think John says in multiple books leading up to Revelation. It's about what is the truth. The truth will set you. We need truth. He's the way, the, and the life. That's what we need to bank in. So, John divinely inspired the Holy Spirit. You have my notes. With a central figure in writing the New Testament. And to the concluding words of the entire Bible as the apostle, John. And don't forget who John is. Who is John? And what did Jesus say to John on his final words? Take care of my mother. Amen? So Jesus trusted John to a level, and John's the one that tells us, he keeps telling us through his gospel, I'm the beloved one, I'm the beloved one, I'm the favorite. And he even records in his, I'll give him a little credit here. He records in his own Bible that Peter outruns him, okay? John, John, John is a, he's got a special relationship. 
he believes he has a special relationship with Jesus. Okay? Would you, on your dying day, would you turn over your mother and say, watch my mother if it wasn't the person you trusted most? So there's something there. Okay? And we know how he ends his life, and we know how his suffering continues. But the dominant theme, one of John's most focused dominant themes of his writings, especially his very last words, was the importance of fighting for the truth. And everything, when we talk about end times, everything about end times is going to go back to that exact question. What is true? What is going to be manipulated? Right now, we live in a country right now that you should know this. China is changing the Bible. They they are now, whereas they outlawed the Bible being read, now they've gone and rewritten the Bible, and they're like, this is the version you can have. So the woman at the sand, right, where they're, they're trying to stone her, this is the story. The story's been changed in China. They, 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 no longer was it they want to stone her. It's they don't stone her, and then Jesus kills her himself. That's the story now versus what the story is. Come on, wake up. Believe the truth because th- there's going to be distortions. Of truth. Talk about end times. What's going to be happening? What are we facing? We're facing distortions of truth. Demons are involved. And let me tell you, the number one thing demons attack is I, I don't believe it's true. It's, this is confusing. This is confounding. This doesn't make sense. Demons. I don't know how to tell you that other than I've lived it. Okay? I've experienced demonic stuff. Truth. So, I can't say any better than John's final books of the Bible where he fights for truth. Revelation gets most of the focus of John's final writings. Revelation is an amazing, climactic book that depicts, describes the final epic battle and the ultimate triumph of God's victory in ours. However, much of John's true ministry theme that gets overshadowed by his gospel and revelation is his three short episodes or epistles that devote themselves to the common theme of devotion to the truth even in the midst of conflict Jude the final book before revelation does so as well not so as explicit as second John and third John so are you ready to read some scripture you ready we're gonna read scripture second John living in the love of God in accordance with the truth of Jesus Christ. It seems to be a theme for this book. These are small books. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth. Anytime we get to the word truth, I want you to say it with me. Notice how many times it's said in this small parts of Scripture. Because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us for God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the I rejoice greatly that some of your children are walking in Hey, what are you committed to? Church, your kids, your grandkids. Everything's about truth, guys. 
Nothing we stand for, nothing we're trying to do as a church makes any sense if it isn't trying to help kids and our grandkids, as well as us, know the truth. Amen? Demonic world distorts. Us as God's people until the end of our time, we have to fight for the truth. Amen? And notice how he's talking about their children. I'm so proud of you that you're standing, and I see that your kids are standing for the truth. Is that our heartbeat as a church? Hey, we got a lot of older, younger, we have a mix here. When you see the younger people raising their kids, pray for them, support them, say, I appreciate you. Have the heart of John, of I love seeing that your kids believe. They believe, and the, the, the faith is passing on. That's what a church does. Number one influence we have in this world is our children. Because we directly are involved. We send them to school. We don't know what's going on there. But we know what we have going on here. We control here. Where they can hear the truth. Amen? And we can combat against distruth. Not truth, sorry. All right. Again, verse 4, I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth. Some, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, so that you walk in it. I could preach on multiple things. I have a subject matter that I'm addressing today. Truth. I've already told you. <laughs> it speaks for itself. How many times did John choose to use the word truth? Who am I love in? Truth. Who know the? Come on, come on. Who know the? Do you know the truth? Come on, let's speak it. Because of the that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us in and love. Some of your children walking in the just as we were commanded by the Father. Folks, truth. Why is John writing this? Why does he repeatedly say truth, truth, truth? In any instance, he can get that word in before he writes Revelation. Folks, truth is everything. Truth is everything. What do you believe? What is truth? And when you know something is truth, what do you do with that truth? How do you fight for that truth? John is clear in his final three books. Truth, truth, truth. I believe the Spirit of God is inside of me, telling me that is what we're battling right now. We have media that we can't trust. There's all sorts of agendas. It's hard to discern. Sometimes it's easy just to get back into a pattern of, you know what? I can trust one thing. Jesus Christ, his word. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. 
I don't need to understand everything that's happening in my world, but I do need to understand what is the truth in regards to the gospel and who God is. So before we get all into fear-mongling, what's going to happen, what's in times, this, that, it starts here. What is the truth? That's where it starts. Amen? So further conversation. Sobering warning from John. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Why is he saying this now? Truth, 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 truth. Then many deceivers have gone out in the world. Why is he saying that? They are after the truth. We live in a time that there's a lot of people, some large churches, that don't teach the truth. They're afraid to tell the truth. They may even believe, but for whatever reason, they don't obey and they don't just share the truth. Or they have a form of the truth. For many deceivers have gone out into this world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such as one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourself so that you may not lose what you have worked for, but may win in a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not, is not abide in the teaching of Christ, abide in the teaching of Christ, does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in the wicked truths. Final greeting from John, verses 12 through 13. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use pen and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. Before I enter into 3 John, I just want to say, John goes from truth, 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 and then he goes to, they're out there to deceive you. Okay, listen, I, I've been a pastor a long time. There's a lot of deception. You know, one thing I say to you, when I, when I stand here and say I'm not a Baptist, I, it's not to mock or to diminish. It's in any way, it's saying I stand by God's word. So if the Baptist church or if this church or leaders in this church told me to stand in a different direction, it'd be a big no. I, I'm a disciple. I'm following Christ. I gave him my life and it's all in. That's how I am. That's where I'm at. I ain't got nothing to bank in outside of him. He's, he's everything. He says, take up your cross daily and follow me. Well, some of us, that is a daily prayer. That is a daily, we got to take that cross up and we got to follow him, die to ourselves, just to live the life that God has given us. Okay? For some of us, there's moments of that. For some of us, it's daily. All in. And I'm banking in the truth. I ain't got nowhere else to turn. This is God's word. I don't have an experience of I just believe the Bible. No, 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 no. I've seen demonic. I've, I've experienced the world. I've seen what sin does to families. Okay? I've seen it. And I know we have all the questions in the world. We, we ask questions like, why this? Why that? And I don't have those answers. One day, you can ask God. 
I, 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 don't, I don't have those answers. But it doesn't diminish in any way who God is and what his plan is. I know this. Old Testament, they could never, ever get righteous. God even sent a divine almost being in Samson. And look how his life ended. He did not follow God. He had the strength of all the things that we want in Marvel's universe. He had that. And he still couldn't, he couldn't follow God. In fact, God allowed him to continue in his rampage of not following God and who he was called to be until one thing happened. His hair got clipped because of what Proverbs spends nine chapters talking about, the unfaithful woman. <laughs> if you're on Wednesday, you know we've been talking about that forever. Folks, here's the reality. Jesus Christ, he died on a cross. He died on a cross. He bled his blood. He paid your penalty for your sin. You deserve hell. You want what you deserve? It is hell! That's what you deserve. I can't say it another way. We deserve hell. It is not about whether you murdered someone or not. Paul is saved by grace. I mean, Paul is a murderer who was called to be an apostle. It's not about whether what sin it is we're talking about. One sin is equal to all sin. One sin allows you to have what you deserve, which is hell. And Jesus Christ, I say it all the time about communion. Yes, we drink the wine or we drink the juice and it represents his blood. But the hardest part for me when I'm praying and I'm thinking about what communion means to me is when I take that bread and I think Jesus had to live perfectly every day of his life. And I'm like, I can't do that one day. I can't make that stone one day. And I don't even know how sinful I am. And in and, and my arguments with people, I may think I'm righteous, and I may not, absolutely not be. Amen? Sin. And God calls us. It's, it's Martin Luther came up with this understanding. He starts reading the gospel, and he has a view. That's why the Protestant Reformation even happened in many ways, is he realized justification, the word justification. And that became the big thing, the great exchange that he exchanged his righteousness for your unrighteousness. That's what he did on that cross. That's what Martin Luther's greatest thing that he's left us with is the great exchange. He read the Bible and he came to the conclusion, to a conclusion that we now all talk about, but sometimes we don't remember. He great exchanged your righteousness for his unrighteousness. So right now, when we read Revelations and we read about people in robes worshiping God. God doesn't live in our timeline. That's us. If you have the Holy Spirit, and again, I try to connect you to the Holy Spirit. If you know you have the Holy Spirit, because if you have the Holy Spirit, you should know that. I shouldn't have to convince you. You know where you don't know. I have the Holy Spirit. I know. I feel it every single day. He pricks on me. He tells me I need to change this, that. He excites me, gets me going. I feel it every time I get up here and preach. The Spirit's with me. Amen? And the Spirit of God, if you have the Spirit of God, you are pearly right. You will die one day and you will resurrect and you will go to glory. It's called glorification. You will go to glory. Amen? But Jesus died on that cross. 
And there's a lot of people that distort that. There's people that won't stand up and say that sin is a sin. Do you know what's amazing to me? The Bible has to actually teach people bestiality. One of the sins that has to be discussed in the Old Testament is bestiality, and I won't explain that. If you know, you know. If you don't, you know. There's little ears in here. That's, that has to be called out. That's how far we go as a people. But the Bible is clear, and the thing is, is you're going to worship a God who says, I am, I am. He says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's never changing, thank God, because in heaven I don't want him to change his mind. If you believe that, then you need to take all the counsel of God's word. Old Testament, New Testament, everything, everything it says. You can't change it. There is a God or there isn't. Make a decision. You worship, I am or you don't. And by the way, I'll be real clear about this with Moses. There's two conversations that happen with Moses. I am who I am. What is he saying? I am who I am. I'm not going to tell you or describe or defend. I just am. Everything that has been and is happening, I am. Moses, amen? And then you know what he says? When you walk out of here, Moses, what you need to know and all your reasons to not believe and all your doubts about yourself, he says, I am is with you. And let me tell you something. That's a little bit conditional. As long as you serve I am, I am with you. So it's not about you, Moses. It's about I am is with you, and God's going to use you. Amen? We stand by the truth. He tells us I am. Teach it as it is. Tell the truth. Introduce your kids and your families to I am. And as long as we do that, I am is with you. Just like Moses. And all our doubts and all our struggles, you either get on the board with I am or you don't. There's no, it doesn't even rationally make sense to me to change the Bible based on beliefs of my time. He either is the Alpha Omega, I am, or he's not. Read scripture plainly. Don't overthink it. It says this, that's what God meant. Believe him or don't believe him. But don't mix it up and don't get confused. God's word's not that unclear. It's pretty clear. Amen? All right. Woo! Had a message today. <laughs> three John. John 3. Standing steadfast in the face of opposition while embracing and living out the apostolic message that John conveys in all three of his letters would be kind of how I look at this one. The elder to the beloved uh, Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it, is, as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Said it again, said it again, twice. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers, are, uh, as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. 
for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like, uh, like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Fellow workers for the I have written something to the church, uh, but Diatrophus, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not contend with that. He refuses to believe the brothers uh, and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not, intimidate, do not intimidate evil, but imitate good. That's a, that's a verse. Do not in, intimidate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God, has received the good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself, and also add our final uh, our testimony. And you, uh, and you know that our testimony is true. Final greetings from John. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with ink and pen. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you, greeting the, uh, the friends, each by name. So this letter contains only 14 verses, and the word truth appears six times. This is because Apostle John was having to write this letter to defend the truth against this person who's a problem who loved having preeminence in the church more than loved the truth. It is interesting that Paul is in contrast, uh, uh, condemns him, saying he has a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. So even as Paul is gentle as he can be, we see the problem. It's time to wake up, and it's really hard in churches because pastors are supposed to and this is, creates a congregation of this too. There's a lack of courage. There's a lack of calling things out. And, and you, you just kind of timidly allow things to happen. And you just watch something ungodly happen, but you're like, I'm, I'm so worried that if I stand up and call something out, then all the people who I've taught to be timid are going to be timid towards me, and they're going to be like, you're a problem. Listen, I'm not going to call anybody out by name, but there are false preachers, okay? They don't stand for the gospel. They don't stand for the truth. And if the question is asked, what do you think about this specific cultural issue? And what does the Bible say? And you're like, I don't know. Maybe that's a liar. It's a person who won't say the truth. Just say what the Bible says. And I, 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 I'm waiting for the day when you just say, I didn't write it. You don't have a problem with me. I'm just preaching what the Bible preaches. Amen? Listen, as end times come, if we're thinking end times are coming, and you're focusing on Israel, and you're feeling like, man, there may be end times, what is the number one thing that John is teaching us that you need to be concerned with? Truth. What's true? What is true? What kind of demonic attack is going to come for our kids and for you? who you're listening to, do they stand by the truth? Read the Bible plainly. Just read it and believe it. Or don't. <laughs> if you don't believe, you don't believe. But if you believe it, believe what it says in the literal reality. When it says this, it means it. 
That's what God's Word said. He called it this, he called it that. Either believe or don't believe. That, that's a you decision. I'm all in. You don't have to be all in. I am. I believe it. And I'm walking with I am because I already know God's going to turn his back on me if I ain't walking with I am. I'm walking with I am. I, I don't have a lot of faith in myself. I don't. You find me oftentimes teary-eyed, struggling with life, okay? I'm not the strongest leader in the world. I'm not. I'm a teary-eyed, broken man that God's called. I don't know why and I don't know how. But you know what? He uses me because I'm walking with I am. And I stand by his truth. Stand by his truth, church. Times are going to get rough. Times are going to get difficult. Things are going to be distorted. It's going to be hard to understand what is true, what is not true. Things are going to be purposely distorted. Read the Bible plainly. I, I don't know. If it's happening in China, it could happen here. They start changing the Bible. We could be headed for, maybe not my lifetime, I don't know. Or underground churches right here in America. I don't know. But we're to raise up a generation, and we must stand the test to stand for the truth. That's what we are supposed to do. We've got our forefathers passed it on to us, and we believe it, we teach it. People died at the cross to get the Bible in your hands because they believed what was being taught by the religious system was not true. They died. Some of them burned at a cross. So you can have the truth in your own hands to believe it. Why are we focused on football right now? How much time have you given to God today? How much time every day are you giving to God's Word? Let's be people of the book. Let's get in His Word to know the truth. Talk about Revelation. Are you reading Revelation? Read it. Read it. I mean, the book of Revelation, the theology of Revelation is perseverance. That is the most of what that book's about. Well, that's what we need right now, perseverance. Let's persevere, brothers and sisters. Amen? So this is where God has me, is I've been wrestling, and I thought I was going to come up here and talk about truth. Truth is what God told me. This is what I'm fighting for. This is what we're fighting for. This is what we're going to stand for. Are we in God's word? Do we know our kids know the truth? Do we know the truth? Who are you listening to? Have you had a conversation with someone who knows some of these pastors that you're listening to podcasting? There's some, I'm not going to do it from a stage, but if you come talk to me and tell me who you're listening to, I can tell you where that person is a no-go or this person is a yes. Okay? Don't pay attention to people who their gospel is about profit. It's about making you feel good. That's not the point of preaching the Word of God. The point of preaching the Word of God is what does the Bible say? That's what I feel my job is to do. Here's what the Bible says. Stand on that. Preach that. That's my job. Not to take it away. Not to make it my own creation. It's the Word of God. And he tells us to stand for truth. It's almost as if John is fighting a battle against all this false stuff that's happening, and he's the final apostle. John is the final apostle. Everyone else has been killed. <laughs> he's the last one. He's the only one that doesn't get martyred. And, and he's the one that goes to the young generations, and he goes to these young churches in Revelation, seven churches. And every 
thing in church history, it's not in the Bible, but in church history tells us he came and says, be unified, be unified, be unified. He's crying out, be unified. In what? Because now there's all these false teachers coming out. And they're trying to distort, just like Galatians. They're trying to distort the gospel and make it something different, make it man's religion. We have a history of needing man's religion. Just believe the gospel is enough. Submit. That's the hard part, guys. Submit. You bow your knee to King Jesus. And you say, I'm a sinner. I'm not, I don't deserve grace. I don't deserve mercy, God. But you've given it to me. And you say, God, I'm serving you. Not just I need grace and I need to go, to, I want to go to heaven. It's God, you're my Lord. What do you want from me? And I'll serve you. Look what you've done for me. Amen? That's who we're called to be as believers. And it's hard. Listen, that bowing your knee to God is hard. We're Americans. We're individualistic. We run our own race. No, you don't. You know that you can leave from here and get in a car wreck and you could be dead tomorrow. You're not in charge of nothing. God is in charge of all. And stop going into a river and going the opposite direction. Why don't you just start going with the river? Stop fighting let God lead you. Amen? That would be my analogy for you. But we got a culture that is against God. What does that mean for us? That, does that mean cowardly? Just accept it? Does that mean we're afraid to speak truth? We're afraid to say something is wrong? We're afraid to, we're so meek that we allow Disruptions? Well, if you pay attention to the pattern of John, he calls it out. He doesn't, he's not disgraceful. In fact, he's very kind, frankly. At the very end, he, he literally is gracious. He says a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. Meaning he's a good guy. He's just distorting the truth. So he's like even trying to be nice to the guy that he's saying he's not teaching truth. But what's the thing he's not going to not be, you know, fighting? Truth. We need to know the truth. We need to stand by the truth. We need to fight for the truth. If you've got one thing you fight for as a people of God, it's the truth. You don't be discouraged by anybody. You don't be threatened. You don't let anybody talk down to you because you're speaking up for the truth. Speak the truth. God's word is the truth. And stand by the gospel as it's written. Stand by God's word. It's what I believe the Bible says, and it's what the Bible says. Simple, as plain as that. Because I might as well not be a believer if I don't believe the Bible says what it says. Amen? It's not personal. Everything in this world is personal. It's not personal. This is what the Bible says. And we personally have to figure that out and handle it ourselves with God and the Holy Spirit. If you let the Holy Spirit in, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you that His truth is real. So pray. I mean, you're struggling with my sermon today? Go home, get on your knees, and pray. And ask the Holy Spirit to reveal Himself to you. Amen? Let God, let God do God. We don't have time to read all of Jude. Your homework. I ask you to read Jude at some point this week. Let us read Jude together. We don't have the time for that. But here's kind of the theme of Jude. The necessity of contending for our faith and perseverance until the end. 
leading to the book of Revelation, which is all about perseverance. Main point, Jude's main point in his letter was to remind believers of their duty to fight for the... Fight for the... All right. Verse 3 says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to all the saints. And again, I, we didn't read the whole book. We don't have time for that with only about 10 minutes till we're offline. It is all, it's as if Jude had intended upon picking up his pen to write about our common salvation. However, the Holy Spirit compelled him, impelled, compelled him to instead exhort us with all passion to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. He had a whole reason, a whole other mindset as to what he thought he wanted to write. And the Holy Spirit compelled him and said, no, this is what you need to write. Contend for your faith. Hey, America Church, I don't know who's watching online. Maybe those words are for us, for whatever's coming. Contend for your faith. Stand by what you say you believe. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be talked down from it. Proclaim it. Believe it. Amen? Because there are deceivers. We know this. We live in this. There's deceivers to the point of it's hard to even know what's true in regards to anything in news. I, don't, I, I can't change that situation. But I can say to my church, if you know the gospel, if you read God's word and you believe it, literally, and you believe it's God's word, contend for your faith. Fight for your faith. Do not be ashamed in any way, shape, or form for what you believe. Amen? There's no reason to be cowardly. We, we of all people, live in a country where we don't have persecution. There's places and there's people that are Christians that don't have this, and they contend for their faith underground, hiding in secret. That's their daily worship, is gathering with nobody present and afraid for their life or what could happen to their family if people found out they believe. And we have none of that. We feel it's coming, but we don't have any of that. Contend for your faith. Stand for it. Amen? We've gotten to a place that Christianity is so just accepting that it's hard to even call out things like when I say counterfeit gospels. I mean, I had more comments the first time, not this last time. The first time when I called out counterfeit gospels and I specifically said some terms. I said some people who were counterfeit gospels. And people are offended. Why are you offended? Contend for your faith. I'm contending for my faith. I want you to not be confused. There are people that are way more missional than us that walk to people's doors, knock on their doors, attempting to teach them false truths. And I can't call it out as a pastor? That's crazy. I think that's my job, to contend for the faith and to ask you contend for the faith. Because that's what John says. That's what he wrote his people. And those are the final books before Revelation, which is all about... <laughs> turmoil and perseverance. The theme of the last several books of the Bible are perseverance. And he says to his people, contend for your faith. Amen?
hey, that's the theme of my sermon. I told you there weren't going to be like three, four, five, six main points to walk away with. The question is, are you contending for your faith? Are you convinced in your faith? What does it mean to contend for your faith? Ask yourself that question. What does it look like? Get an urgency. That's the problem. We're so laid back. We're so calm until things, until things don't blow up. Get an urgency now before disaster. Don't wait for disaster to get an urgency. Get an urgency now because we should contend for our faith. We got youth that need Jesus. We got kids that need Jesus. We got people in our congregation that need Jesus. You got people that you work with that are neighbors that need Jesus. There's no hope. They are going to hell, people. The Bible tells us you're either going to hell or heaven. Get an urgency. There's an urgent moment right now. Everyone feels what I said, that the news lies. We don't know what's true. That, that is our society. We are in a right time to go out and harvest because people literally are scared, hopeless. And what do we have? We have a definite belief that God's word is true. Get an urgency in us. So I, well, I need the pastor to evangelize. No, you don't. People don't trust pastors. Just speak your, speak your testimony, just like Paul. Testimony, preach the gospel, and God will use you. You'll plant a seed for sure. Amen? Urgency. I'm tired of seeing cowardness. Urgency. Brave. Stand up for truth. Contend for your faith, as John says it. Contend for your faith. We live in Victoria. This isn't even Austin or, you know, San Francisco. We don't have those limitations. We don't really have excuses as to why we can't contend for our faith. There's some, right out there, Nikki puts it there. There's some awesome, you know, things that you can go to a neighbor and just pop by, hand them a bag, and that's one of the things we're trying to do is to invite people to church. You know, maybe start the door with, hey, I just want to invite you to church. A person that, a neighbor that puts, that God has put on your heart to ask them and invite them to church. Just go knock on the door, hand them the bag, prepared. It's got popcorn in it. And just say, we'd love to see you come to church. And it starts there. And say, how, and, and do this for me. How can I pray for you? Get to know that neighbor. And guess what? How can I pray for you? That is the best thing you can do. Because people never say, even if they're atheists, don't pray for me. They, they will tell you how to pray for them. And you know what? It opens the door for more conversation. I've been praying for this. How are you? Can I continue to pray for you? Like, what, what, where are we at in that? It continues an op- opportunity to have a conversation. Amen? Okay. So, the final book that leads to the actual final book that, depends, that depicts the end. It was not simply enough to passionately believe the truth. The Holy Spirit led Jude to change course of what he intended to write, to give us something more necessary. Jude appeals to us to contend for the faith that have been delivered, given to the saints, all believers. Jude's deep concern was false teachers and ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God. And we didn't read this, but you could read this when you read Jude. To pervert the grace of our God into sensuality, to deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. 2023 is in our chief concern, according to the final three books before Revelation. One, we are to love one another in truth. We are to know the truth. 
just because I sat up here, was passionate about truth, I did not give you a bully pulpit to go take the Bible and hit someone in the face. That's not who you should be. Love people, but contend for the truth. You can do both at the same time. Amen? Because to me, loving somebody is telling the truth. If I know you're going to hell, how much, like, how loving is it for me just to ignore the reality of what I feel about your faith? Is, is that loving? I'm just going to ignore the fact that I think you're going to hell, and I'm going to be nice and passive because I don't want to be a problem to you. That's not love. Love says I'm willing to have that t difficult conversation because I'm concerned about whether you know what I know. And I don't know whether someone's ever shared the gospel. I don't know. You shouldn't act like we know. Maybe the person tells you they don't know. I don't know. But I need to know my clear conscience is clear if God's brought you in my life, then I have an opportunity to share the gospel with you. Amen? That is love. So you don't go and beat people up with the Bible. Let them make their own decision. But it's not loving to ignore the fact that we think some people are going to hell. That's not love. That's just not love. That's like, I, I see you're a heroin addict and you're dying and I'm just going to ignore it. Is that love? I, but you're my friend and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make you think that I'm unsensitive or... No, a loving friend says, stop that. Get rehab. You are killing yourself. You're destroying your family. That is compassion. That is love. Well, let's apply that to religion. Because, I'm sorry, the worst fate is not someone on heroin dying. It's whether they're going to heaven or hell. That's what the Bible teaches. Believe it or don't believe it. But the Bible tells us grim results for those who don't accept Christ. So, we are to walk in the truth, live out that which we hold to be true, truth, so much as our testimony is true. We are to co-labor for advancing and living out the truth. We are to fight for the truth against the many deceivers, and I have all these phrases because this is in Jude, but we didn't have time to read Jude. Against the many deceivers or the certain people who creep in unnoticed, preserve, uh, uh, sorry, preserve in Christ when faced with the scoffers, those who cause divisions or worldly peace, devoid of the Spirit. Number three, we are to keep ourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. We're called to persevere. Jude 24, 25, the doxology, actually. We're to missional. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Justin, y'all can come on up. Read that with me. Verse 23, have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Do you read that the way I read it? Snatch them out of the fire. Have mercy on them who doubt. Do we feel that urgency? This is 2 John. This is 3 John. This is Jude leading the revelations where he's talking about, you know, climactic endings. We need an urgency, church. And for sure, I know this, stand for the truth. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what God has for me, but I know this. As long as God's called me to be a vessel of 
you know, I don't know why he's even called me, but if he's called me to do something, it's going to be to stand for the truth. Because uh, I'm just going to believe in God. I, I'm a, all in or all out. Stand for the truth. Be bold. Don't be ashamed of our faith. Because being nice ain't, ain't getting us nowhere. And I mean be nice, but being nice to me means share the truth. Being nice and not sharing the truth is not being nice. We've, we've like adopted demonic mentality. No, no, no. There's people going to hell, and we have to have mercy on people and try to engage with the relationships God gives us to help snatch them out of the fire by sharing our testimony in the gospel that they may be introduced to our God and the hope we have. The living hope. Not a dead hope, a living hope. Amen? I don't know about you, I'm walking with a living hope. And I don't know what's around the corner. I've got all sorts of things going on, but I know this. My God loves me and he's on my side. Walk with I am and he walks with you. Walk with I am. You can have all the doubts in the world just like Moses. Walk with I am. Amen? Let me pray. God, thank you for the opportunity we have to worship you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that we get to dig into your word. Thank you that we have an apostle on the end, end, end of his journey in life writing these letters that speak so much to our time that we need to contend for our faith. Help us to be bold and contend for our faith, to believe, to know our kids and our grandkids and our friends need this truth. Everything in us wants to be afraid. Everything in us wants to appease people. We have all this fleshliness that we don't identify as fleshly. We think it's nice and kind. But the reality is it's not nice, it's not kind, and it's not who you've called us to be. We're to contend for our faith. Help us to contend for our faith and gain boldness, just like in Acts when they prayed for boldness and they got boldness. God, give us boldness that we might meet a new neighbor, that we might meet a new person and share our testimony simply in conversation. Share what you've done for us that we might be able to be part of snatching people out of the fire because that's what you've called us to do. Help us to be excited, energized, again, not settled, knowing that people all around us, their destiny is not hopeful. Help us, God. Help us, even when we feel we can't be the ones you're going to use. You say, I'm going to use you. Because if we walk with you, God, you walk with us. If we follow you and we stand steadfast to what you teach, you walk with us. Moses' strength wasn't Moses. His strength was you. And God, I pray for in our weakness, you use us through your strength. That actual spirit power happens because of God, because of you. We love you. Use our lives. Put in our minds people that we need to talk with. Maybe some of us need to talk with our family. Give us boldness. Amen.